So welcome back to the Swish Sports Show. Um, today we have a lot to discuss. It's going to be a football episode. Uh, we're going to start with the Dak Prescott mega deal that was just signed yesterday, as well as talking about some of the players that did and didn't get the franchise tag. Uh, some minor trades that happened, such as Trent Brown going back to the Patriots. And we are really going to focus on the players who didn't get the franchise tag over the players that did, obviously because that's more interesting, you know, for free agency implications and stuff like that. Uh, sorry if I sound a little bit tired today. Did have a long work day, so I am pretty exhausted. Uh, but I really wanted to get this content out to you, you know, give you my thoughts on some of the recent news because today was a big news day for football. Uh, if you guys are waiting on the top 10 quarterback in the draft class rankings, those will be out tomorrow. Uh, just because all this news came out today, uh, I wanted to get through this stuff first. So let's start with Dak Prescott's contract. And I think this got a lot of mixed reviews. And at first, I wasn't sure what to think of it. But after doing some research and listening to Zach Schaumler from Strong Opinion Sports, who broke down the contract um, more deeply, it does seem like a very good contract. So let's start with the basic. The contract itself is a four-year, uh, $164 million deal. And this will also come with a $66 million signing bonus, the largest in NFL history. And Dak Prescott will make $75 million in year one, also the most in NFL history. Now, this really threw me off um, from the rip just because it really didn't make sense to me how he was going to walk away with $75 million in year one and the total contract somehow not exceeding that of $200 million. But this is a masterful job by the Cowboys financial staff to come up with a situation that works both for Dak Prescott and that he gets the money that he deserves. And it works for the team as far as what they can do with the remainder of their money. So I'm only going to briefly break it down. Um, again, if you want a full breakdown of the contract, strongly recommend going to Zach Schaumler of Strong Opinion Sports. Great channel overall. They do a lot of film analysis content on quarterbacks um, such as, you know, Dwayne Haskins, Tom Brady, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Sam Darnold, and so forth. And I think he does a really good job in really giving you the true product of what's being placed you know like is the guy good or bad in the moment but uh enough about him but let's get straight into the contract so the 75 million dollar year one thing actually works in favor for the cowboys because next year Dak prescott will only have a 22 million salary cap hit and to put that into perspective jared goff salary cap hit with the Lions next year is going to be north of 30 million. I believe it's 33 million if I'm not mistaken. And again, this is a great price for a quarterback like das Dak Prescott, excuse me. And you know, even so forth, this cap hit while it is going to increase a little bit after year 1, uh, it's still going to be at a very manageable price and that's really rare to see considering the contracts that have been thrown out recently to guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, of course, and even the mega deal with Patrick Mahomes. And obviously Mahomes deserved it 
way more than anyone else. But, um, you know, when you look at those kind of failures with Goff and Wentz, and I would say Dak is in a similar tier as to these quarterbacks. I think last year he was going to separate himself from that group because, in my opinion, he was playing his best football. And as it comes to is he worth the money, is he worth the commitment of being your longtime quarterback, I'm going to have to go with yes, definitely. Um, First off, he definitely deserves the money. You know, this is a guy that has made the Cowboys successful. You know, not super successful, but they have been a mainstay in the NFC East. Obviously, last season was a disaster. But, um, you know, they've been to the playoffs a couple times. Haven't come away successful, but there's a lot of factors outside of just Dak that is the reasoning behind that. And Dak, you know, despite, I think, at times being overrated early in his career, just because of the accolades that were won, and, you know, being on Dallas, the quarterback of the Cowboys, you are going to get more unwarranted hype than what is warranted. And I think that just comes with, A, the position of being quarterback, and B, being the position quarterback for, like, debatably the most popular team in the NFL. But Dak Prescott deserved the money. One, he is a good quarterback. I know there's questions about his accuracy at times. And, you know, his arm strength can sometimes be questioned as well, as well as his decision-making. But to me, like, while I don't see him being great at these things, I think he has a really good arm, though. Um, While he's not great, I think he's good at everything. You know what I'm saying? He does have his blunders here and there. But overall, he's definitely what I'd consider a franchise quarterback. And, again, the price that they're getting, and when I talk about price, I'm not talking about the holistic value of the contract. I'm mainly just referring to the cap hit. And I think, you know, with a cap hit like that, that's $10 million less than a guy like Jared Goff, less than guys like Kirk Cousins, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, obviously. Or I'm not sure how that contract situation works out with the Colts now. But, you know, under the former contract, we'll just say Carson Wentz, presumably. And others, I think it's a great bargain. Uh, Obviously, Dallas has a lot of holes to fill. And being able to have this cap flexibility now allows them to address areas of need. Uh, They definitely need an overhaul on defense. Um, Obviously, with Dan Quinn coming over, becoming the defensive coordinator. uh, Hopefully, that will change things again, as you guys might remember. I'm not high on Dan Quinn at all for a multitude of reasons. Um, I think maybe I'm biased towards hating Dan Quinn on Dan Quinn uh, a little bit more than I should be at times. But he did make my Falcons the complete joke of the NFL. Let's be honest. And obviously, it's not just him, but he's the coach, the head coach. He was the face. And there are lapses in his defense, but... I want to stray away from, you know, spending too much time talking about Dan Quinn because I could go on for hours about that. But the main point is the cap flexibility that the Cowboys have um, while still being able to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term deal allows them to build this roster around Dak, obviously, and really, you know, start to compete. Because at the end of the day, Dak Prescott will still make them a good football team overall. I know they got off to a really bad start uh, in the couple games that Dak played. I believe it was like five or six games. But, again, like I do think, you know, the NFC East is not that great. 
and it's still an open race as far as the division goes. And I don't think the Cowboys are that far off from winning the division or being in contention for winning the division. Obviously, you know, the Washington football team is going to get better. So are the Giants. Probably the Eagles won't. Sorry. But again, like the winner of the division went seven and nine. And Washington still has to address their quarterback. I'm not sure Taylor Heinke is the guy. I'm not sure Daniel Jones is the guy. And But the difference is they have more complete rosters as far as defense and you know exterior pieces go around their quarterback. And that's what the Cowboys have to focus on. I think you, they're set, obviously, at running back, having Zeke Elliott, despite being on a bad contract. Uh, they stu- still have Tony Pollard as a backup to Zeke, and I think he's one of the best backup running backs in the league. I do think the offensive line needs a lot of work because obviously the loss of Travis Frederick uh, was pretty big for them. I think that's like an understatement to say that. Um, Their receiving core is fantastic. Michael Gallup did have a lot of drops last year, but he's still a pretty good receiver overall. CeeDee Lamb has a ton of potential and is a great playmaker. And Amari Cooper is definitely like a true number one. I know he's one of the most critiqued receivers in the league for inconsistency uh, between home and road games and just in his play overall. But as a, as a receiver, he is definitely a true number one. From a skill set, production, you name it, Amari Cooper is that guy. I would like to see this team at a tight end if they can. I believe Dalton Schultz was the tight end last year and Blake Jarwin. And these are solid pieces, but I think if you want to open this offense even further, you go out and try to snag one of the Titans in the draft class. Um, a guy like is Brevin Jordan, who I think should be available in the third round or fourth round, maybe. And I do believe he could make a significant contribution because he is a really good pass-catching tight end. But outside of that, I mean, revamp the offensive line. You know, make sure you get Dak protection because you definitely don't want a situation like last year with a pretty ugly injury very early into the season. But, of course, the main thing here is defense. And this isn't the greatest free agency class, and we'll get into that with the players that were franchise tagged. But there are some pieces to be had. Uh, I think a player to watch out for is Keanu Neal, who I think the Cowboys can get for pretty cheap. He was one of Dan Quinn's favorite players uh, on the Falcons defense, and he was one of my favorite players on the Falcons too. I was kind of disappointed they didn't tag him, but um, he's a box safety. He's a heavy hitter. Uh, He's all right in coverage. You know, he does make some serious blunders at times, but he's a really good run defender. And, you know, the Cowboys were just bad in every aspect on defense, whether it be run coverage or pass coverage. So if you can get a guy like Keanu Neal, who I think will be cheap because he has battled injuries. Um, obviously, he missed two whole seasons prior to last season um, with some freak injuries, I would say. I don't think they're problematic per se. So I still think you can get him on cheap because I don't think anyone wants to commit to a big contract for a guy with injury histories. And um, aside from that, I think there are plenty of corners that they can go after at the number 10 spot. I've seen some people saying J.C. Horn from South Carolina, uh, obviously the son of NFL receiver Joe Horn, who played for the Saints, 
And while I think 10 is a little bit high for him, if you think he's that guy, I think you make the play. A guy that I projected them to draft was Caleb Farley, big 6'2 corner with incredible ball skills. He was a former receiver turned cornerback, and I think he's really has the potential to become a true number one corner one day. And outside of that, I mean, I think this D-line needs some working. I don't think they brought back Tristan Hill because he really has not lived up to the billing as a first-rounder over the last couple seasons. Uh, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, I hope they can return to what we used to know of them, which were two really good linebackers that were coming up in the league. Uh, they still have incredible athletic traits, obviously. Vander Esch has battled some health issues but again, these are really two incredible talents, and I hope Dan Quinn can find a way to re- revitalize them because that would be massive for this defense. And, you know, with the money that you still have, uh, definitely just put all hands in on the secondary. Losing Byron Jones last year didn't seem like that big of a deal until we got into the season and we're like, wow, the Cowboys secondary is an absolute mess. So, yeah, I mean... I know this kind of divulged into a whole talk about the Cowboys as a whole rather than just Dak Prescott. But my final takeaway is this. I'm happy for Dak Prescott. He got the money he deserved. But the Cowboys did an excellent job of basically handling this financial situation in a way that works for both the quarterback and the team's ability to construct a winning roster going forward. So earlier we talked about Keanu Neal as one of the players that didn't get tagged uh, with the franchise tag. And that's basically what I want to spend the rest of the episode doing. Um, There there wasn't that much news. I guess real quick we'll just dive into Trent Brown returning to the Patriots from the Raiders. Uh, Trent Brown, if you don't know, is a former Pro Bowl offensive tackle uh, who signed with the Raiders in a pretty big deal, I believe, at the time. It was the biggest contract for a tackle, and he has incredible size. Um, The only question marks really has been his conditioning and then his injuries. He's still played a good amount of games, but obviously last season he was mired by injuries. And then, you know, a couple seasons ago, he also missed like five games here and then six games there, etc. I don't think it's too significant of a worry. And... Being that the Patriots are losing uh, Joe Thune, more than likely, you know, getting Trent Brown for a fifth-round pick is incredible value. I guess I would have liked to see the Raiders get more. I mean, this guy is still pretty young and I think can be a very impactful starter. I'm actually not too sure why the Raiders gave him up, given that he was part of one of the better offensive lines in the game. Uh, obviously I think, you know, they made Derek Carr look a little bit better than he is, which is not that much slander on him because I think he's still a good quarterback, but he did have a ton of protection and ton of time in the pocket to really make decisions. And whether the Patriots go with Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, or some rookie quarterback or some veteran, I do think, you know, bolstering the protection is always a perfect move to do. Let's see if they can get some receivers, whether it be in free agency or through the draft. Um, they still really don't have a true number one. 
the closest thing to it is Jacoby Myers, who I think is best suited to be your number three receiver. I think he's talented, but just not special. Uh, I think, well, number three is a little bit harsh. I would say number two. Uh, he should be productive in the Patriots offense. But I want to get over to more of the franchise tag players now. So the Jets tagged Marcus May and uh, the Saints tagged Marcus Williams. Broncos tagged Justin Simmons. Now, what do these three have in common? This, these were all safeties. And I think this is a big hit to the safety class overall because we were coming away with the idea like this could be one of the better free agencies in terms of this safety class. But three of the biggest names have already been locked away per se. And I mean, you're really just looking at Keanu Neal, Anthony Harris, and you know a couple other pieces here and there. But it has really gone from something I was excited for uh, to really just not as interesting as I thought it would be. The Bengals decided not to tag uh, Carl Lawson, which I find very interesting. They instead gave it to William Jackson, who was equally deserving. Uh, William Jackson's a really good corner for that team, and that team would definitely have a hole either way. You know, they chose to create that hole at the defensive end position, but I think Carl Lawson could really be the steal of free agency. I don't think he's going to get a massive contract, um, but he's a super talented three-tech defensive end that you know plays with a lot of power and speed. Uh, I think he's got good technique, not great, but he can definitely, he's not like a cleanup hitter like Dante Fowler last season per se, where most of his damage comes from, you know, just being the result of a broken play sack. Uh, Carl Lawson creates pressures for himself. So my prediction for him is the Falcons. And that's slightly biased because I definitely want to see this guy in a Falcons jersey. But also, you know, with Dean Pease, the new defensive coordinator, uh, I think the biggest takeaway for him should be that this pass rush is a mess. Obviously, I just talked about how Dante Fowler did not work out at all. We cut Tack McKinley, our former first-round pick, uh, halfway through the season. Vic Beasley left us last season. Um, again, Vic Beasley wasn't great at all. He was actually terrible. But it was eight sacks that we lost from him last season. Um, and we drafted Marlon Davidson, a second-round defensive end. He didn't pan out in his rookie year. It's kind of sad to say, but our main source of pressure came from our nose tackle, Grady Jarrett, who is really good, by the way. He's a pro bowler, all pro. But we definitely need more help on that line. And I think if you get a guy like Carl Lawson uh, who can create pressures, I think it will help. Um, who's the guy named Dante Fowler? Uh, start to sort of live up to that contract. We did give him a pretty big contract, so I don't think he'll ever really live up to it. But really, that's all I wanted to say. I guess I have to do predictions now for the other safeties. I would say Anthony Harris may end up in Miami. They do have a ton of money to work with, being that most of their guys are on young contracts. They cleared up cap space with cutting Kyle Van Noy this offseason, and they should be in the market for some of these guys just to bolster the defense. But if not Miami, I mean, this is a possibility for both Anthony Harris and Keanu Neal, is that one of them ends up in Dallas playing for Dan Quinn. 
I do think Keanu Neal ends up in Dallas just because of the familiarity concept. But yeah, that's really my prediction for those three guys. Let's move on to the next uh, section, and I want to talk about receivers. Uh, Kenny Galladay was the only big-name receiver not to receive the franchise tag. Not the greatest move by the Detroit Lions, who definitely need to surround uh, Jared Goff with weapons. And they signed Terrell Williams, who's okay. Uh, He's dealt with his fair share of injuries and just isn't really a wide receiver one. And being that Allen Robinson and um, I'm forgetting his name right now. Wow, this is embarrassing. But Allen Robinson and another big name receiver... I was supposed to, oh, Chris Godwin, of course. Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson both received the franchise tag. Um, so those are the two biggest names, I think. I would both put them both above Kenny Galladay, and they both got tagged. And I just think that someone's going to overpay for Kenny Galladay. I think he's a really good receiver. I'm not so sure that he's a wide receiver one, though. I really just think he's a slightly better version of Mike Williams. And perhaps I've just not been watching Kenny Galladay enough. And you're right to criticize me on that if you want. I'm sorry, I just can't watch Lions games that much. But Kenny Galladay is a big play receiver. I watched him tear up the Falcons, which I know this sounds like a Kenny Galladay hate train, but it's just not impressive to tear up the Falcons defense. But, I mean, he's still a really good receiver. He's a great jump ball threat, big play, good hands. Um, His route running is pretty good, I would like to think. Again, I haven't seen too much of this guy aside from his highlights. But being that he's the best receiver in free agency now, I do expect that someone is going to overpay him uh, based on the idea of his potential. He's still fairly young in the league. I think he's only been in the league three or four seasons Uh, coming off big years he does have some health concerns and I guess that is a little bit worrisome for a bigger receiver but yeah again I do think you know a team like the Ravens or the Dolphins per se or even the Patriots should really look to go after Galladay because these I mean these teams are just super weapons needy but I mean earlier reports stated that um the Ravens weren't planning to go after a big-name receiver, which is pretty disappointing to see, especially for Lamar Jackson, who needs more help than just Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, Devin DuVernay, and the rest of the cast, which may or may not include Des Bryant next year and whoever else is there. But I think the bigger thing for me was how Allen Robinson got tagged. Allen Robinson was the guy that For one, I just really wanted to see him with a good quarterback for once. He's played for Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles and put up some amazing numbers while doing so. And I believe uh, under PFF's grading scale, he was the fifth best receiver last year. And that sounds about right. I would peg Allen Robinson as a top 10 receiver in the NFL right now. He's really good at everything and has amazing hands and also amazing body control. He just knows how to time his routes perfectly, knows how to time his jumps perfectly. I mean, Allen Robinson is truly one of the more underrated monsters at the receiver position. But what this tag really meant for me 
um, is one of two things. One, Allen Robinson could be what happened to Stephon Diggs last year, which is he gets tagged and then he gets traded. Um, this is under the notion that the Bears plan to keep Trubisky or Foles or just sign a journeyman quarterback to increase competition. And I think Allen Robinson really does want to play with a good quarterback. And I believe he said this earlier, but I'm pretty sure everyone wants to see Allen Robinson with a good quarterback. I mean, this guy is superb. And obviously there were rumors earlier with him going to the Jets or him going back to Jacksonville to play with Trevor Lawrence. But I really do think the other thing that this could mean because at the end of the day, Allen Robinson, I feel like, would have made a report. Or there would have been some follow-up report like, oh, Allen Robinson is still on the move or still on the block, right? This makes me think, and if you guys listened to my last football podcast, I was talking about Russell Wilson. I truly believe the Bears are going to go all in on Russell Wilson. Like I said, this front office and coaching staff needs a massive season to save their jobs and really just move forward with this unit or the Bears could end up facing a lengthy rebuild. And if you're bringing back Allen Robinson, who's stated his desire to play under a great quarterback, go get him the quarterback. Go after um, Russell Wilson and make this happen for the enjoyment of Bears fans who have struggled through some really tough seasons and just the enjoyment of avid football watchers. Because, I mean, Russell Wilson, if you give Allen Robinson to Russell Wilson and vice versa, that's going to be highlight reel plays week after week. So another big name player I wanted to talk about was Aaron Jones, the running back or former running back of the Green Bay Packers. And obviously he didn't receive the franchise tag either. I wasn't really surprised by that based on Aaron Aaron Jones's previous uh, comments about him wanting to be one of the highest paid running backs in the league. And I mean, obviously, like in a league where the running back value is probably the lowest of any offensive skill position, um, Aaron Jones was just not going to get a new contract with a front office that's already pretty stingy in using their money, especially on the offensive side. I mean, we've seen they don't grab any receivers for Aaron Rodgers. They have Devontae Adams, who's homegrown talent, really haven't brought in anyone else. But this, again, and I know I feel like I'm just saying the same teams over and over again, but that is really because there are a lot of similar contenders for the bigger players um, available on the free agency market. And that's going to be Aaron Jones. I mean, that's going to be the Miami Dolphins. And I think, for one, this team definitely needs a running back number one. I think Miles Gaskin is pretty good. And I do think, you know, you can still work with Miles Gaskin if you choose not to go with, um, you know, if you don't choose to chase Aaron Jones. I'm sorry for breaking up. But uh, outside of that, the depth is not there. Jordan Howard and Matt Breida really were not successful in Miami. And really, that was mainly injury-related. But, you know, unlock this offense. Give, if you're planning to build around Tua Tagovailoa, 
give him the weapons he needs to succeed. Because it's very clear from Tua's tape as a college player and in the NFL, you know, Tua needs a foundation built around him to really um, take advantage of. Because being that his being someone of his skill set, he's not someone that's necessarily able to raise the play of others, which I know I guess sounds like a really bad thing, but you can still win with a guy like Tua Tagovailoa. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's not one of the uber-talented quarterbacks, so this means I don't think Miami will have to give him a massive contract unless, of course, he goes out and wins like an MVP or puts up some grand season uh, by the time his contract comes up. But irregardless of that, I do think Aaron Jones should be a target for the Miami Dolphins, especially if they're not going to go after Kenny Galladay, which I don't think they should. Because I think Devontae Parker, while he's not elite, um, I do think him and Galladay are of a similar mold. And I'm just not sure how much better is uh, Galladay than Parker that you're going to give him a massive sum of money. So aside from that, I mean, there weren't and too many big names uh, left out of the franchise tag talk. Um, obviously, some other notable names that we did see get the franchise tag uh, Leonard Williams, the former sixth overall pick by the Jets, he had a breakout season in New York, but with the Giants, and he's coming back again. He had a career high 11 and a half sacks last year. Uh, I do think that's pretty significant. Uh, oh, I actually missed some players uh, from the franchise tag list. I'm very sorry about that. But tight ends wise, Jonu Smith didn't get the tag, and neither did Hunter Henry. And Hunter Henry, there's a lot more question marks uh, due to the fact that he's practically fragile. No disrespect intended. Um, but he really just has a hard time staying on the field. But when he is on the field, he's very he's a very big contributor to the offense. He's got really good hands. I think he's a decent blocker. And I think he could be a serviceable number one tight end on a team. You know, I've seen him link to the Patriots. Because apparently Belichick's spoken really highly of him before. Uh, other than that, you know, I would say Dallas should be in the market for one of these tight ends. And But really, I want to talk about Jonu Smith, who I think is one of the better young tight ends in the league that really doesn't get a lot of credit. Uh, through PFF, he was rated the 10th tight end in the league. And, you know, while it is to say that I think Jonu Smith actually plays a little bit better than that. Uh, it is what it is. Jonu Smith is one of the best tight end, um, sorry, not tight end, one of the best end zone threats at the tight end position. Uh, again, he's got great hands. He was a really valuable asset for Ryan Tannehill for last year, of course, with Delaney Walker being out. And yeah, I do think someone should give him a contract. I think the Cowboys should be in contention. I definitely think. The Patriots should be in contention. I believe Jonu is another player that Belichick has spoken highly of. Uh, the Colts maybe should go after him. I think their best tight end right now is Mo Ali Cox. Someone correct can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but outside of that, let's see. Malcolm Butler got released from Tennessee. And I think he's severely washed up from the player he was. Obviously, he kind of got exposed against the Ravens outside of the early interception that he had um, in the game. But 
I think he's serviceable. I would say that being that, you know, Dean Pease comes from the Titans, I would consider the Falcons a potential option for him. Hassan Reddick, um, a player I was just talking about with the whole J.J. Watt trade the other day, or J.J. Watt signing the other day, I think him not getting the tag is interesting. I would have liked to seen the Cardinals bring him back. But he had uh, 12 and a half sacks last year, which was the highest on the Cardinals for one. And he had 16 quarterback hits. And I do think, you know, while he's one of the more Dante Fowler-esque cleanup guys, I think in a team that already has an established pass rush, he could be fairly effective. I would look at the Broncos as a potential contender for Hassan Reddick. Um, actually, yeah, I'm just going to say it. I predict the Broncos are going to sign Hassan Reddick because with Bradley Chubb there, we don't really know the status of Vaughn Miller based on the allegations and uh, whether he'll be a cut. I do think Hassan Reddick could either be a serviceable number two option to Bradley Chubb or if you bring back Vaughn Miller, having him as a third pass rusher is going to be really impactful for that defense. Other than that, I probably just want to end with Yannick Ngakwe, of course, he was one of the more highly coveted defensive ends last offseason following a tumultuous exit from Jacksonville and then rather disappointing seasons in Minnesota and Baltimore, I believe. Um, Yeah, he played in Baltimore. But yeah, with him disappointing, uh, I think there's still a lot of potential there. I don't think he's an every down defensive end. He's really just a pass rusher. He's terrible against the run. But I do think he can be impactful for a team like the Titans that just desperately needs sacks on their team. And obviously, you know, take the risk of having him potentially wanting more money than he's worth and how to deal with that. So I'm interested to see how that progresses this offseason. And aside from that, I mean, there's nothing really major. Um, Bud Dupree is still on the market because he didn't get the tag, and I'm not sure where he goes or for how much, given the health and sort of the inconsistent production. I mean, he's really one of those late bloomers, and if you want to trust that, it is always a risk to go after a guy who hasn't really established himself as a year-to-year producer yet. But again, I do think you know a team like the Dolphins is obviously in the market for it. I could see that you know the Falcons showing interest, but I don't think they walk away with him given he'll probably have uh, too big of a price tag. So aside from that, you know, Shaq Barrett is a free agent, but uh, I do think him or it was reported that him and Bucks are still having conversations and kudos to the Bucks for one, re-signing Levante David and bringing back Chris Godwin. And if they can bring back Shaq Barrett, that's fantastic. I really did not expect to see them be able to do all of that obviously Tom Brady restructured his contract to open up more cap space for the team so yeah that's really going to be all for today's episode Um, again sorry if I sounded a little tired I'm really exhausted tonight and I'm probably going to knock out as soon as I upload this and I'm sorry for that but um, thank you all for tuning in Tomorrow, obviously, like I said, I want to get my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL upcoming draft class uh, out. 
I'll probably just be on YouTube given that it's going to be something that's shorter and not necessarily fitting for an entire podcast episode. But we'll see how it goes and how long the recording takes. I do have a lot of notes on these quarterbacks. And yeah, I mean, that should be all wrapping it up. We'll probably get another basketball episode as the season kicks back after the All-Star break. And yeah, that's all for tonight. Thank you, everybody. And good night, man. I'm so tired.